Hello and welcome to Spiritual Shit, your guide to the down and dirty of modern spirituality. This podcast is a place for people wanting to discover more about spirituality, where we can get weird about ghosts, mediumship, aliens, psychics, religion, new age, awakening, ascension, starseeds, channeling, holistic health, philosophy, and even dating. Some shows will be just me rambling about my mystical experiences and discoveries, while other shows will have guests to open up new perspectives and views. I hope you'll join me on this journey as we discuss and open up what spirituality in today's modern world really looks like. Remember to like and subscribe to never miss an episode and hit me up at thelovelyleah.com or at thelovelyleah on Instagram so we can connect. Become a Patreon supporter to get access to behind the scenes of our guests, freebies, early access to new episodes, discounts on merch, and more. Hello and welcome to another episode of Spiritual Shit. I'm your host, Alia Lovely, and today we have Mimi and Chase the medicine <laughs> here to talk to us again they've been on the show before and they were we had such a fun and interesting interview talking about their love story but now we're going to talk about something that's a little more close to home for myself as i'm going through a health journey and figuring out what it means to not just think about the spiritual body but starting to think about the physical and so i want to introduce these gorgeous people in front of me if you're not watching the interview and you're listening um some people who have inspired me to get on this health journey take it away well thank you thank you for having us we're so glad to be back and this is such a fun topic for us and and so close to home for us as well we've been up and down the roller coaster of health and through the various definitions of health and tried them on in all the wrong ways Mm -hmm. uh, are now just in this space where we are continuing to nurture what we like to call a relationship with health let's separate ourselves from this transactional outcome-based um, very fixed definition of what health means into something that is relational sustainable and a part of a lifestyle right. yeah and, and you know we are not we'll just start out here we're not certified medical you know professionals or anything like that this is really um a, an accumulation of speaking to different experts in the field, you know, talking to people on our podcast, the medicine, which is all about discovering and leaning into the real medicines of the earth, not necessarily the one that comes in a little orange bottle, but what are the other medicines that we can utilize to really create conscious uh, lives and, and long, happy, healthy, love-filled lives. What does that look like? So that's what we talk about all the time on our show. And then it's also an accumulation of our own experience. Um, we've both been in the, what I like to call the health hellhole. <laughs> <laughs> kind of it, um, in different ways, we experience these, this health hellhole, but we really experienced it at the same time in our life. We were, we were separated. And if anyone listened to our first podcast with you, Chase and I um, were high school sweethearts, married very young, kind of pushed into a young marriage uh, from our church, the, the evangelical church. And we really had no tools um, to really step into that adult archetype. It's a long story. I, I won't go there because it's on our other podcast that we did with you. Check it out. It's really awesome. <laughs> um, but we actually, after three years of marriage, we divorced and, and we separated, physically separated, never thought we were going to see each other again. When we were apart for these three years, we both navigated really awful health conditions, health 
issues, chronic issues. We just felt like crap most days. And we didn't know why, because we felt like we were doing all the right things, or we were trying to be healthy. And, um, you know, I just want to put that out there in the beginning that anything we share today is from a place of our own experience, and then diving into talking to speaking to and interviewing thought leaders, like kind of counterculture against the mainstream thought leaders. Uh, So that's where we're coming from today. Mm -hmm. Nice. So me being someone who has had, I would say a torrid health history, um, PCOS, endocrine issues, insulin resistance, all the things, um, 12 year eating disorder, like whatever. Right. Um, not very trusting of doctors, traumatic birth, the whole bit. I'm in this space now where I'm trying to ask myself, what does it mean to be healthy? What does it mean to provide myself with a a holistic health experience, um, health of mind, health of mind, body, soul, spirit, the whole thing. And, and not just look at it from the perspective of health equals skinny. Yeah. In <laughs> growing up, like anybody remember snack wells and fat free yeah. and like, you know, I'm aging myself there, but it was really difficult to live in a world where there was only one body type to abide by. And if you weren't that body type, you weren't healthy. And so me being a woman of size for most of my life, it put me in this really scary space where I had a very dysmorphic way of seeing myself. It's weird to look back at old pictures and go, that's what I look like. I looked amazing, you know, and getting into a space of understanding that health is not just how you look. Health is a a very long standing journey with yourself, um, how you view yourself, how you love yourself, how you treat yourself and so on. And so I'd been suffering with this block for some time, especially postpartum with wanting to do best by my body, because what I discovered is that I felt that my body had betrayed me Mm. with Mm. not being able to deliver naturally and all the things that come with that. There's just a lot of things that may have, that may have been hiding in body image that really shoot up, um, postpartum or post-trauma of any, any kind. And so I didn't realize that, that like, I wasn't able to give myself what I needed emotionally or mentally, or, you know, uh, spiritually. So it resulted in my outward physical experience, uh, showing up in a way that reflected my internal being. And so now I'm in this place where it's like, kind of like the cloud has lifted. I'm in a place of like, okay, what does health mean to me? Um, health means gentle exercise. Now it doesn't mean killing myself at CrossFit at the gym. Uh, it looks like yoga. It looks like stretching. It looks like, um, things that won't spike my cortisol. It looks like taking naps. <laughs> it looks like a better sleep schedule. If, if I can get my daughter to sleep, those kinds of things. It looks like journaling about my dysmorphia, about like triggers that I have around food and so on. Okay. So my question to you is what is health and why is it important for people to understand what their version or their definition of health is? Yeah, totally. I love this question. And Candidly, I'm in the same journey as far as how I'm navigating this and figuring it out. And if I was to define it, it would probably change in uh, two or three months from now. Mm -hmm. But the way that I like to look at this is really not unlike the way that I uh, like to look at my connection to the divine. We live in a world of transactional expectation, transactional outcome attached uh, relationships to these various lanes of our life. That includes 
we're, we're growing up into a world where at least for us in evangelical uh, Christianity, there is a set protocol for experiencing God. And you are to fit that external protocol literally in the confines of a church in order to experience the divine. And for some, I guess that works. For many, that does not. And so I look at health in the same way. Health is not a defined outcome as much as it is a relationship that you get to nurture and experience not just in a window of time, not just to meet a specific number on a scale, but rather to live fluidly and uh, somewhat, you know, up and down through the course of one's, you know, incarnation, if you will. And so for me, as I look at health, I look at it similarly to the way that I experience divinity. I don't know if I'm ever going to be able to perfectly articulate what it means uh, to have an experience with God, but I sure as hell, I'm going to feel it. And I'm going to be able to intuitively sense when I'm experiencing God, I'm going to be able to intuitively sense when I feel uh, uh, divine, that, that spark of divinity within myself, and the same with health. And I think it starts with removing the attachment to a defined outcome of what it means to be healthy. And so mm -hmm. like that is literally number one. And then the, the juice is actually in the process. When we remove ourselves from having very specific expectations, we start to be present and we start to experience the bliss and the awe of what it means to be in the moment of a healthy exercise that can be everything from the way that you move your body. That can be the way that you interact with nature, which is this beautiful, uh, invisible hand of guidance as it pertains to how you can experience a healthy lifestyle, uh, the way that you consume food and just the mindset that you have and, and really the why behind you are, why you are pursuing something, uh, healthy in nature. Our mentor, Paul check calls it if you have a dream, what is your dream? If you have a big enough dream, you won't have a crisis. And so before we get into really like anything as it pertains to health, which we want to, we want to get into these kind of pillars of, of uh, just leaning into health, critically important is to understand the why. And mm -hmm. for each individual person, what is your dream? If you have a big mm -hmm. enough dream, you won't have a crisis. And Mimi talks about it beautifully in this way that she, she talks about most of us walk into this world of health and we don't really actively look at addressing anything until there's a problem mm -hmm. until mm -hmm. we have a gut issue or until we get to college and we put on the freshman 15 or uh you know in my case i'm an athlete college athlete and then i get into my professional career and all of a sudden have very very compulsive self deprecating uh exercise and eating habits to to the degree that i'm bottoming out my hormones in my late twenties. And so as we kind of realize that most of us are getting introduced to health and wondering about health for the first time through a seeming seemingly problem in our physiology, um, it really shows up as a invitation as, as yeah. how you like to say it. Yeah. I like to, you know, make this distinction. And if this is something that I've come into, I've learned, no one taught me this. I had to sort of quote unquote, learn it the hard way, I suppose. Um, but you know, you were, you were sharing a little bit of your story and going through the birth experience and, and being a new mom and all these different catalytic experiences in your life where you get to like really sit back and have the opportunity to evaluate different aspects of your life. And if they are adding to, Chase used the word dream, are they adding to my overall dream? 
we have this ability or this opportunity rather to evaluate. And that's what I want people to really hopefully come to experience and see is that these maybe quote unquote negative experiences or these negative circumstances that happen in our life, whether it be uh, in our case, it was a divorce. For other people, it might be a death in the family. For another person, it might be a diagnosis or an eating disorder. We all just living in this 3D world will have 100% of us will have these major catalytic experiences that give us the opportunity to dive deeper into ourselves and into health and into spirituality, which I know all your listeners are uh, well-versed in, these opportunities to dig deeper into ourselves and the divine. The same opportunity exists, I believe, in physical health. So I like to think of it as our health or health journey is really an opportunity to increase our consciousness if we but make it so right? Because we have Mm. these physical bodies we use as vehicles for the divine light, the divine spark of consciousness that lives in us that will live on past this body decaying. It really is a vessel for us to continue increasing our consciousness. And we do this in, you know, in other aspects of our life, like spirituality all the time, or just mental health, emotional health. You know, you can sit back and really ask yourself the question, like, why do I think that way? Or why am I getting triggered by this person's viewpoint on X, Y, Z? My point in all of this is to say that the difficult or negative health circumstances that we might face on our physical health journey are opportunities for us to evaluate, an invitation to evaluate our lifestyle and every aspect of that lifestyle and decide, is this thing working for me? And if it's not, how can I take a small step today to add to or to work towards that dream or the big why? Why do I want to get healthy? Why do I want to live a long, healthy life? Like establish that for yourself first. And that can sort of be your guiding light, your North Star when you're evaluating, is this thing working for me or not? So that's like the biggest piece that I try to um, instill in people that I speak to, whether I'm, you know, talking on Instagram or our podcast or HPV course that I'm, that I'm creating is like, this is an opportunity for you. And this is an opportunity where uh, you get to make a, a decision. You get to make a choice at this fork in the road where it's like, I can continue to live in victim mindset and I can continue to be reactive to my environment or I can step into this journey with power and ownership and decide where I want to go from here. And that's really when you take your power back. I know that's kind of an overused phrase, but it's true, especially when it comes to health. We have to take ownership of our health and be our own best advocate for our health and continue to stay curious and keep asking questions of, is this working for me? So I just wanted to lead with that. The, well, this is great because I, I talk, I'm, I'm, I'm actually developing a course around manifestation, but more about like determining what's a good life for someone. And in that you have to have clarity about what your, your musts are, like what's, what your dream is, like you said, like what's important for you and have clarity around that. My, my trouble, my, my thing, and I wonder if other people struggle with this as well is that consistency around that dream. And like, if it comes to anything else, I am like a hundred percent consistent, get out of my fucking way. I can take care of this. But if it's something for me, 
like mm-hmm. for my own body, for my own person, like whatever, it is so difficult for me to be consistent because in some way or another, I recognize that I have some type of, um, block, mental block, um, trauma block, maybe, uh, wiring from early childhood trauma, whatever that says, you don't deserve that. Mm. You can't be that, or you can't look like that. And, and so on. We have a wedding coming up next year. So a little bit of pressure <laughs> put on an address. Um, and I remember I was having this conversation with my partner and he was saying, you know, if you're having this level of dysmorphia, like you might need to see a surgeon or something like that to get eye fibroids. And so they caused me to be very puffy, um, again, distended abdomen and whatever. And so I was like, I just, I'm too scared of surgery to actually do that. Um, but he was saying that like, if, if that's the case, if this is the case, if it's this serious, then, you know, you need to look at your metrics, quote unquote metrics and see what's most important to you. So you can live a mentally healthy life. I have a healthy mental image of yourself. And I said, the only metric that's important to me is that scale. And -hmm. I didn't say that in a, like a sober way. I didn't say that in like the spiritual Alia who, who, you know, does all the thinking and stuff. When I get to the base of my trauma and I get to the root of the, what hurts me the most or what like the, the, um, dysfunction that's there, the clearest form of it. And I can actually be really honest with someone. I can say in a dysfunctional mindset, the only metric that matters is that scale. If I can't see it on the scale, I can't verify that it's true. So it's not doing anything. And he's like, well, like I've been uh, walking a mile every day. Not a lot. It's like gentle exercise with C-section and stuff. There's a lot of pain with working out and so on. And I thought, well, I've gotten into a good habit of being able to get up in the morning. It's my time. I learned French while I'm walking. It's a healthy habit that I'm building. What am I doing to make sure that I'm here and I'm healthy for my kids? So that's yeah. the dream, right? Like I'm starting to get clarity around that. And it triggered something in me that says, okay, let's build these healthy habits. Let's do this. Let's stop eating this. Let's look into my liver. Let's look into this, you know, starting to get more curious about what that can look like. But at the base of it with the trauma, with, I'm sure I wanted to talk about this. I didn't want to not address it for people who have suffered with eating disorders and so on. Our, like, it is a mental disorder. Like your way of viewing health is so distorted from the trauma that you experienced. Like you said, um, what it was the word ortho, orthorexic, orthorexic, yeah. Yeah, orthorexic. Um, it's so distorted that it's really difficult that even in a sober mindset, you can look at things from a different perspective and still not get yourself to do that. And so what my, what toxic trait is, is that I would eat to prove I didn't have an eating disorder anymore. Mm-hmm. And so when I, when I start to do eat healthy and we're going to do this, it goes all the way to the other side of the extreme, which even though if I'm losing weight, and I'm doing what's best for my body. I'm not doing what's best for my mind. And so it's this weird, like yeah. nuanced kind of thing that it's just like, what do I do with this? I don't know how to, to fix this. Um, and from your experience, since you've been through that, like, how did you get to a state, a state where you were able to claim what real health is to yeah. you yep. instead of what the, the you've been taught in the dysfunction? Yeah, I have completely been there. And, and both of us, my definitions of being healthy were, based on the amount of weight that I could lift or what was showing up on the scale. And that included you, the tough part about when you put your um, definition of health on outcomes like numbers, mm-hmm. is that you can manipulate to get the result. You can manipulate the things that you're doing from a dietary and movement standpoint to get those end results at the cost of your long-term health. That it can include starving or binging. So how I have had to work through this and it wasn't quick, but it was redefining the outcome. 
for health, which means less around metrics like weight, which can be an indicator of health, or it can be an indicator of, of an unhealthy habit. So for me, through, through various learnings and experience, it was aligning myself in the same way that I would say, say I want to make a million dollars a year. Instead of obsessing about a million dollars a year, you can actually reestablish a target as reestablishing the target. What that means for me, I, I would approach it in the same way that I would look at a business goal. If my goal is to make a million dollars a year, I can uh, inflate sales. I can actually, you know, basically stuff numbers, impact right. customers, um, play with the metrics and get there in a potentially unhealthy way or, or a way that's not sustainable. So we need to redefine the targets. What that means is that if I was looking at business, I would look at impacted lives. Okay, I want to impact people, a thousand people's lives. I want to create a product that is uh, able to be renewed and sustainable. And so I'm, I'm changing my, my target. Same thing with health. Instead of I want the scale to show me XYZ, how about I look at, I want six to eight hours of sleep every night. I want to be able to have two to three bowel movements a day. I want to be able to have uh, sex regularly with without, you know, function of uh, or dysfunction or with without having to take you know supplements or stimulants mm -hmm. i want my i want my hair to stay in my head i want the skin on my body to feel you know moist enough and, and not dry or not super oily and so re-establishing the target i think when the target is something that isn't necessarily quantifiable but is more yeah. of a feeling the quantifiable metrics will take care of themselves Hmm. So as I've looked at changing that relationship to health, it's been redefining what my target is. And it really, we, we get really fancy with biohacking devices and watches that's telling us our steps and how many calories we're burning and scales that have weight. Yet we have all of these uh, feedback mechanisms in our own physiology. Did I wake up with, with uh, morning wood? Was I <laughs> able to have bowel movement? Uh, am I able to fall asleep at normal times and natural rhythms? If these things are, if the boxes are getting checked on these, the weight will, will support a, a healthy, holistic measurement of, of the body. And that will be a bio-individual, absolutely, but should fall within a framework that is, is healthy. Yeah, yeah. Um, I would echo everything he just said. And I would also, you know, uh, speaking to women and men, but mostly with women, I see um, that every 10, 15 years, the uh, fashion of, or the fad, the current fad of women's bodies, the imagery of what is beautiful changes. So yeah. back in the nineties, it was stick straight, supermodel, twiggy looking type of person. And then it kind of fluctuated to like an athletic build. And now it's like, you know, the unattainable Kim Kardashian where it's, yeah, exactly. So that's what we're seeing, what we're being inundated with day in and day out when we scroll through social media and watch e-news and everything like that. So just keep that in mind that this probably in 10 years is going to be a completely different look. And if you're using that external uh, imagery of what is beautiful, then we're 100% going to be let down, I think. Yeah. Um, and so just putting that out there as well to, to your point of, you know, you're 
talking about the scale specifically. I dealt with this um, when I was uh, on the front end of my kind of orthorexic uh, time in my life. It was about four or five years where, and if anyone doesn't under, doesn't uh, isn't familiar with the term orthorexia, it's when healthy habits become so neurotic, become so um, enmeshed with your identity that they actually become unhealthy, meaning that oh, I'm not a person that eats bread. Oh, I don't eat dessert. Oh no, I, I'm not a person who X, Y, Z, where your lifestyle habits are now enmeshed in your identity. Mm. And so that's kind of what orthorexia is, where it's like, no, I can't, I can't not do that. And then it gets to a point where it's unhealthy, where it's actually- I dead. have had that. I didn't know that that's what it was called. Working out four hours a day, like yeah, two days in the morning, two days at night. And if I didn't, yeah. it was like ridiculous. Yeah. And you, then you like punish yourself and tell you yeah. you're not good enough. And we have this horrible dialogue with ourselves. Like I've definitely been there. And one of the big steps for me was actually getting rid of my scale completely. I had this number in my head. I wanted to be 120. Why? How did I choose that? I don't know. I just sounded good. It sounded <laughs> good in my head to tell people if they ever asked, which no one ever does, <laughs> how much do you weigh? <laughs> this number. It's not like it's plastered on our forehead. So where is that number coming from? Mm. And so for me, I, you not know, taking into account like your bone density, your muscle, your muscle like mass. Like, I'm just a thicker person. I have more muscle mass. Same. And if I, when I got down to 120, I was not healthy. Yeah. I didn't have any stomach acid. I intermittent fasted for a year and a half, which completely blew out my hormone health. I had zero estrogen. My face was blowing up in cystic acne. Uh -huh. Never had acne before this. My hair was falling out in chunks in the shower, wow. but I was 120. Mm -hmm. And so this number means nothing. It is not reflective of health. Yeah. So I would challenge you directly. I'm getting real here. Yeah. The only time if, if, if you're finding that the scale is a trigger and for someone else, it might be a different type of trigger yeah. might be trying on your old prom dress as the trigger to see if you can fit in it again from high school, whatever, whatever the trigger is, if your negative self-talk comes from that trigger, get rid of it. Yeah. Let that be part of your redefining of what health is echoing everything that Chase said from my perspective as a female, for me, it's how are my period cramps? Are they, are they there? Are they non-existent? How's my flow? Like that's an indicator of health for women for yeah. sure. Um, how's my hair? Is it long and strong and thick and everything like that? Is it shiny? Um, how's my got insanely gorgeous hair, dear. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. I received that. It's it's the longest and thickest that it's ever been in my life. And I swear it's because I've put in the time and the energy of redefining what health is to me. And, um, you know, another indicator is for me, for a lot of people is our skin. It's yeah. a direct reflection of what's going on in our gut. And a lot of chronic conditions come from the gut and dysfunction. Right. And that's a whole umbrella term. We can totally get into that if you want. Um, but it's a, if you're struggling with acne or skin conditions, look at the gut. So that's another. My daughter has eczema and it like, it shows up if she eats 
dairy or gluten. Like we've completely eliminated that from her diet in order to, to manage it. But then there was a part where I was like, something else is missing. And I realized I'm vitamin D deficient, like very chronically vitamin D deficient. So that has filigrin, uh, and she was missing that, like it's a, it's hereditary. So if you have KP, like the keratosis pilaris, yeah. the bones, like chicken skin, um, it's a vitamin D deficiency. So I noticed that if I start taking more vitamin D or like, like whatever it's, it's 10,000 I O U or whatever <laughs> it's I O U, <laughs> um, then it starts to go away. And so we started giving her uh, vitamin D, which they, they already, um, prescribed when she was, uh, not on formula. And so, but we, at some point just ran out and forgot to give it to her and started giving it to her again to build in her gut and started to notice that her skin is starting to clear up. And I thought, wow, that's, it's so important. The gut health is so, so, yeah. so important before we go into gut health. Were you going to say something else? No, just, I, okay. I, I was going to say that, that you're hitting it on the head as we talk about kind of this like baseline phase of approaching health and we're redefining what it means to be healthy. We're putting our targets away from like scale metrics and more towards how we're feeling. There are some numbers that are critically important to look at. And that would be the results of your blood work. I would encourage anybody before they start anything to go get a full blood panel, saliva panel, and be able to look at your hormones and your uh, basically just like nutrition, like nutritional profile, mineral profile, vitamin profile, mm -hmm. and work with somebody who is not just going to hand you the results and expect you to interpret them, but will walk you through every single yeah. step. Or say, you look normal. Mm. Yeah. That. Well, they'll just get a basic blood panel from their primary care physician if they get that. And a lot of doctors, practitioners will just look at it. If it's in the normal range, which they make these ranges off of sick people, the average American is not optimally healthy. So these ranges come from generally sick people. So if you're in that range, they'll say, oh, everything looks normal. You're good. But if you're not feeling good, Right. That's an indicator that there there's something to look deeper in. That will help you get kind of the the, the redefined targets for you. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. And so like baseline is like, what's your dream? Why are you doing this? There's a huge correlation between your physical well-being and your ability to have a spiritual practice. We are yes. these we are these spiritual antennas that if we have interference in our physiology, in our in the way that we move our bodies and the way that we uh, you know, nourish our connect ourselves, it's going to be hard to connect. Yeah. Uh, so that could be why it, it's just experiencing more of, of the divine. Yeah. Um, it's moving your targets and where your, your feedback, you know, what are the feedback mechanisms? I think it needs to be behavioral. It needs to be sleep, sex, digestion. Um, and then it's working with somebody who's going to look at a holistic picture. There is, we are in this health journey for 10 plus years we still work with people on a frequent basis. I'm getting blood tests, saliva tests every six months at the minimum. Wow. And, you yeah. know what? I just, um, we have a sponsor called Wisdom Health and this is like just an, an additional plug for them. I started one of their naturopaths and we're in the, the process of doing the whole bit, every panel test you can find, hormones, vitamins, exactly what you said, because there's no real way to know what's keeping, like, at least in my case, like I I'm not able to shed weight. Like I have PCOS, we so have other issues. And it's like, I really want to know what's going on so we can make the best practice. Um, you said something about intermittent fasting. I've been doing intermittent fasting, but it's not working. And so then there's some people who are like, women should not intermittent fast because it's really yeah. bad for your hormones. And I'm like, but what if you have insulin resistance, then it's like, oh, you should only eat this many times a day. Like it, there's so much noise. Yep. 
And to me, that blood panel, I was like, I just want to cut to the root of it. Like what's health for me? How can we help me, my body? (laughs) So that's great advice. Great advice. Yeah. Yeah. That's great that you, um, that you're doing that because if we don't, if we don't have a, a beginning point of like, okay, here's what we're starting with other than the, the tuning into our body, you know, we're going to be taking shots in the dark right. if we're not looking at this, like, okay, let's use this as a roadmap. Of course, we can't just, just look at the numbers because there might be something that's a little off, but you're like, Hey, I feel amazing. I feel so much better than I did. So yeah. it, it, there is some wiggle room where you have to use the best of both worlds where it's like, let's look at the data and the, and the numbers. Yes. But also let's tune into what is my actual experience of you know life and health? Yeah. Many people will, will suggest you should start tracking food, uh, calories, macronutrients. And th- I think there's a time and a place for that for sure. But I would encourage people to start tracking how they're feeling in a like food and movement journal before mm-hmm. tracking the very specifics as it pertains to calories and macronutrients. So Why have I not heard anybody say that it's, there's it, just so it much. It's so simple. And it's, 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 it's literally like I had a sourdough toast this morning with Bulgarian yogurt and some fruit and a little bit of protein powder. And when I journal, this is how I'm feeling from it. Um, I feel normal or, uh, man, I actually have some gut disruption. Um, and then, you know, you start to notice trends. You'll start to pick up on things. It's also a great practice for developing a relationship with your intuition, with your soul, with your higher self, that divine spark is as intelligent when it comes to diet exercise as it is with everything else. And so building a relationship with your intuition as it pertains to your physical well-being is something that I, I, I could not encourage people to do enough. Yeah. Let me dig into that because I had a dream like four or five days ago, maybe last week. And the dream, there was someone, uh, some doctors coming to me. I was in a, a foreign hospital, maybe a French hospital, I'm not sure. Anyway, and there were two doctors to me, a male and a female. And they were coming to me and saying like, here, here's the lab work. Here's this, here's this. You are doing immense damage to your liver. We need mm. to remove your ovaries right away. And I was like, what? <laughs> like it was this, this, this insane visceral dream. So when I woke up, I got scared. Cause I was like, you know, got on Google and they're like ovarian cancer. And I was like, oh my God, you know, is this a premonition? Cause I've had those before, or, you know, is it something else? This is a warning sign. Typically premonition dreams that come through are, um, you know, at least mine are within a six month window. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of like a warning almost to give you kind of a heads up. And so that's when I got the blood panel. I was like, let me talk to someone. Let's get the blood panel. Let's see if there's any, if there is anything going on. I talked to my dream interpreter. I work with a, a woman, uh, Meg Bartlett, um, who's a dream oracle. And she said, well, maybe there's something toxic in your thinking that's keeping you from creating mm. liver always signifies detoxification yeah. ovaries, yeah. reproductive organs creation. And I was like, that's probably, <laughs> that, yeah, that that's sounds beautiful. pretty good. But when it comes to my health, I thought, what is the toxic trait? The toxic thing. It is the feeling that this metric is so important that the, the numbers and the macros and all of this stuff that that's what normally gets people bogged down is that part, right? It's like accounting. It's like, nobody wants to fucking do that. So like sitting down, I know for myself, like it's put me in a lot of unhealthy thinking that it, which, which the, the body follows the mind. Mm-hmm. So if I'm thinking, you know, shit about myself, or I'm having a lot of these feelings of like unworthiness, I'm not going to eat well, like I might for a few days, but I can't keep up with it because it's not coming out of self-love. 
So sometimes you can beat yourself into that, like, and keep yourself, like you said, in an orthorexic type of type of mindset, um, where it becomes in dysfunction, but ultimately like, if you want to be healthy, like it's got to also start here. This reminds me of something that I told myself when I was in the depths of my, not only health issues, but also the lowest that I've ever been in, um, feeling love for myself. We were separated and I was just going through the shit and I knew that I had to get healthy. I knew that I had to change my lifestyle. Um, but I, I didn't, I didn't feel love for myself. So there was that lack of motivation that you're talking about where it's like, it's hard to really jump on the bandwagon or really get into gear when you're not feeling an immense amount of love for yourself or unworthiness or value, whatever it is. And the the question that I asked myself to get me to the place where I feel like I am today, where that I've been, I've just drastically improved is if I loved myself fully, what would I do in this situation? Mm. If I loved myself fully, would I eat fast food tonight? Or would I go to the grocery store and maybe take an extra 30 minutes to create a whole food meal? If I truly fully loved myself, would I be drinking every weekend or would I be even investing in long-term health? If I truly loved myself, would I, and you can you can use that in any decision that you're making in the day, even if you don't feel that love for yourself. If I was trying to help my best friend, what would I tell her to do if I fully loved myself? So I I've transitioned from punishing, flogging myself, telling myself I'm unworthy or that I don't love myself and really trying to treat my, my body, my physical body, like a friend that I'm here to help. Mm Mm-hmm. So what does she need for me today? And I think if we can approach it from that, you, you start to step into that version of yourself that you, that you want to be, we want to feel love for ourselves. We all know that we should, but how do we get there? And it it starts with these little decisions every day. Yeah. And I think this, this phase of creating a baseline and going through all of these, these practices, both mentally, spiritually, emotionally, um, is like, it's the foundation. And the next thing that I would say is that it, doesn't have to be a daunting you're facing a cliff uh, uh, to climb because that's that's another uh, false narrative that's out there is that you have to immediately get to, into a CrossFit gym and start exercising your brains out yeah. to get the results that you want this is not necessarily the route to health it works for some folks who are very high intensity driven and uh, I would I would say it doesn't really work in the long term it's not a sustainable practice um, but it can effectively work for some most are not getting sort of the education that's needed on where to start. I would suggest, and as we kind of move into this, like after we've created a baseline, what's your dream, what's your why, uh, reframing some of the targets that, that you're here to pursue from a health perspective, consulting someone with a full blood panel who's really going to be with you on this holistic journey in long form. They're not looking to you know hustle you out in a 30-minute right. you know, uh, consult is even before food and exercise, nature. Realize that nature is nothing but your advocate for a healthy life. Mm. And what do I say? Uh, what do I mean when I say nature? I mean, sunshine, putting, getting your eyeballs and your skin on the morning sun, ensuring that at least for a portion of the day, you're able to get outside and get some fresh air, even if it's cloudy out, even if there's a little bit of rain, getting some uh, slight movement, whether that's a walk or even just uh, you know general 
pose or, or yoga or something, um, get your eyes on the water. If, if you have anything, plant life, a park, a forest nearby, uh, getting your feet and your body into the forest. This is nothing but a, a gentle, invisible hand that is nudging you into uh, a healthier expression of your physiology. If you're around plants, it's, it's this amazing system that literally cleans the air and you're, you're having your like oxygen in, in a purer form. Um, the frequencies of being in nature and having your feet on the ground, grounding, you know, having yeah. your, the earth touch your feet and, negative ions. and the negative ions, it literally like the, the frequencies that are coming off of the planet are there to encourage you to restore, relax, uh, come back to baseline such that you have enough chi, you have enough life force to then go exercise yeah. or dial in on a, on a nutrition protocol that works for you. And amazing things can happen when you synchronize your day to the sequence of the sun rising and the sun setting. Mm. There are profound benefits, and I encourage everybody to go check out Andrew Huberman. Um, he's, he's a neurobiologist, but he talks about the benefits of exposure to sunlight within the first couple hours of the day. Get at least two minutes of sunlight on your eyeballs. It turns your circadian rhythm on. It gives a natural hormonal uh, response to awakening. It has dopamine effects such that you're motivated and you're, you're happy and there's pleasure simply by getting the rays of sun on your eyeballs. As the sun is rising, it hits the atmosphere at a particular angle such right. that it sends signals to your body to rise and wake and, and be alive. And the same thing as the sun sets in the day. This benefits sleep. This benefits the proper expression of hormones and, and where and when they should be expressed throughout the day. Cortisol in the morning, uh, which is catabolic, and uh, rest and relaxation in the evening, which is anabolic. This is your growth hormone. This is your testosterone, your sex hormones. Yin and yang is so applicable to the way that, that the physiology of, of the human body works. Stress is this yang masculine push. It's the tearing of the muscle fibers. It's the the expression of um, build and grow. But if you don't have an equal restoration, uh, yin, this practice of coming in and relaxing and restoring oh, balance, you, you mm -hmm. won't have this balance. You'll run your, yourself into the health hell hole. Yeah. You and, might have a six pack, but you probably won't feel great. And it won't be sustainable. <laughs> you, like what we're talking about with this orthorexic tendencies, when we've attached an outcome to something like a, a weight on a scale, Right. We can get there. We can always get there in the short term, but we will have to do it by borrowing money, you know, figuratively. Time. Use a credit card to get there because yeah. we'll have to pay for that debt later, mm -hmm. whether that's in a hormone shutdown, whether that's in sleeplessness, whether yes. that's in the way that you show up in your relationships because you're so chemically out of balance that you're not even close to the best version of yourself. Right. So this reframing of this, idea that we have a stress, uh, but also a relaxation yeah. portfolio mm -hmm. in our life is just critically important. Yeah. Yeah. And what we're talking about, these are, these are big pillars. These are the big rocks, right? Yeah. And you at the beginning of uh, our conversation, like, oh, you know, I want to talk about mushrooms and, and, and supplements and everything. And those are great. Obviously we love mushrooms. <laughs> And we use them every day, day in and day out for sure. But these are the big rocks. What we've talked about thus far are big 
rocks and things like mushrooms and adaptogens and supplements are the small rocks that kind of fill in the gaps. Once we've addressed these big rocks like nature, sleep, movement, uh, whole food, all of that yeah. kind of so, so, um, just want to put that out there that, that these are all the, the big rocks, the pillars that need to be addressed first. Yeah. That's, that's beautiful. I think like looking in my own journey and looking at just how dysfunctional it's been for a very long time. And with the pressure of looking a certain way around certain things and like how that snaps me back into that old mindset, it's not healthy. And like, I love, uh, what you said about re, uh, like redirecting the directive or something like that. Sorry. <laughs> um, because it is, it becomes in most areas of our life, we look at metrics. Did I get this many likes? Did mm-hmm. you know this many listens, this many downloads? Did you sell this many houses? Are you making this kind of money? Like just, we naturally tend to lean into that as what's quantifiable about our health. Um, but what I'm really interested in and have been really interested in is the correlation, the, uh, kind of like the, the teeter totter that you see, but between physical health and spiritual health, um, how that shows up, how like a lot of like, even in, in, I mean, even for me imbalance and spiritual stuff and not so much in my physical life, if that makes sense, like head in the clouds, mind in the ether, um, really not present in the body, not grounded in the body. So I take less care of my body. I'm sure somebody on this listening to this needs to hear that. Um, needing to know that there's a balance between the two, that the physical health is just as important uh, as that spiritual maintenance. It's been a long while. I haven't really had a lot of people on the show about fitness specifically because it's it's something that didn't interest me. Like at, at this point in my, my, uh, journey, because I was like, so head in the clouds, like ether out of body astral travel, and not really focused on this particular vessel that the vessel was very important until maybe six months ago. Once I was like, okay, now that I've, I've done the baby, I've done this, I've done that or whatever, like something seriously off. I have bought time. I bought paid with debt. Like you said, um, and my endocrine system ha- is showing that showing up now. So how do I repair that? Um, so thank you so much for kind of giving us some like key, at least things to look at as far as the big things go. I do want to detail off into the smaller rocks because <laughs> um, you have this insane mushy tea or mushy latte stuff that is so good that I was almost worried that I can't drink it because I was like, it's, it's, it tastes kind of sweet and, but it's really good. Like it's really, really good. And then seeing all the benefits of mushrooms and adaptogens and so on. My partner, he's so so into that stuff. Um, he's got Lotus teas and ashwagandhas and like all everything basically. And he figured out to m- how to make his own cocktail to fix his asthma, uh, wow. really, really bad triggered asthma. And so he learned that Damiana Mullen and Oshirut or something like, I don't know. I probably got it wrong. Um, maybe, yes, probably that's it. Um, helped his lung health in, in an incredible way. But in addition to that, um, he's learned so much about adaptogens and, and whatever that help with mood, um, as well as health and so on, like, um, for, for our family, a lot of our family members have ADHD and so on and how it really, really helps. Um, so anyway, I would love to hear a little bit, like if we can detail in it, some people have maybe have no idea what we're talking about. Um, why are you so into mushrooms and why is that a big part of your health journey? 
Yeah, totally. I mean, it's been, it's kind of the mascot of our relationship story. Yeah. That's the <laughs> reconnected after three years of divorce was because we completely organically both found ourselves in the medicinal mushroom space and had a reason for conversation. Mm-hmm. Uh, but zooming back out, you know, big rocks to small rocks, big rocks as it pertains to food and diet. It is whole foods. We're going to encourage people to have uh, organic, or if you can find local regenerative or biodynamic, um, as you're looking at uh, what foods to consume, gravitate away from long ingredient lists on packaged foods. I mean, if you can't find a whole food, look for ingredient lists where you can pronounce every single ingredient that's on the label. And ideally it's less than five. Um, But as as you kind of put these big rocks in place as it pertains to diet and nutrition, unfortunately, you still might be short, whether that be through, you know, decades of uh, lifestyle habits and and eating poor foods such that even those big rocks are still not, you know, turning you closer to health. Um, Or we just live on a planet that's been sprayed with pesticides and glyphosate, air quality, such that the, the soil from, from where this food comes from is just stripped of, of the nutrients that, that, you know, once right. were. So we, we then have this opportunity to fill in the gaps. And when we say fill in the gaps, uh, it mostly pertains to things like micronutrients, um, things like uh, mineral density, vitamin density of the food that we're eating. And fortunately, uh, supplementation of quote unquote, superfoods, um, can come in extremely handy. Adaptogens being kind of under the umbrella term of superfoods are even more amazing because they actually adapt to the needs of your body, which is so wild. And mushrooms are arguably the most impressive portfolio of adaptogens that exist to mankind. Mm -hmm. And when we were in our health hell holes, uh, I had adrenal exhaustion. My, my, my cortisol had gotten to the point that it had been so high that it actually stopped, um, producing altogether. My sex hormones were in the tank and the body was just hardwired to stop producing a normal hormone balance. And so as I looked at, um, a natural way to do this, I was educated on how amazing these various mushrooms uh, can be. And so that was kind of my like introductory to mushrooms. Um, I'll let you share and then maybe jump into some of the the goodies about mushrooms altogether. Yeah. So for me, what got me so interested and obsessed, you could say hashtag obsessed (laughs) with mushrooms was really when I was uh, a dental hygienist. Um, I had, you know, that's I had, why your teeth are so good. <laughs> well, technically I'm still a dental hygienist. I just technically okay. anymore, but I still walk the walk. Yeah. <laughs> so when I was in practice, um, I was going through my health issues and I was also listening to podcasts and I was learning about these things called medicinal mushrooms and, and kind of like the big four, like reishi, chaga, lion's mane, cordyceps from four sigmatic, which Huge props, huge love to Four Sigmatic. They have done a ton for the medicinal mushroom industry. That's how I first learned about it. We don't use them anymore so much, but they were huge in the beginning of my journey. Um, And what really amplified it was when I was in in, um, my dental office and I had heard from a patient uh, at our office 
who was about in her fifties, like mid fifties. And she got diagnosed with HPV and her naturopath recommended this quote unquote mushroom to help clear her HPV. And it worked. And wow. so what is this mushroom? Like, was it reishi? Was it chaga? Was it lion's mane? Cause I thought I knew about them. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's another one. Um, and so my friend who was a hygienist, um, she, she said, well, she said it was AHCC. And I was like, that's not a mushroom. What what is that? And so I got on Dr. Google, looked it up, found the whole research organization. And I was like, holy shit, this stuff is legit. Started diving in, couldn't stop. It was just fascinating to me. I had no idea that there was something this powerful that could help the body in such a myriad of ways. So this really, really lit the fire under me to learn more about this. And then that translated to me teaching people on Instagram, creating a food that I sold on online and really getting into the world of teaching people about the intelligence of these healing mushrooms. Mm. So where it really got started for me and I, I, I still teach about uh, AHCC every day and the, the most fascinating thing, you know, um, piggybacking on what, on what Chase said and, and getting into some of the, the real benefits, he mentioned that they're adaptogenic in nature. Mushrooms are this alien species <laughs> where it is, it's not a vegetable. It's not a plant. It's not an animal. It's somewhere in between. When we walk the forest and there are mushrooms popped up around us, we might not even see them. They're really great at hiding. They are sentient. They know that you're there. When they sense your movement, they are shooting their spores at you or an animal or an insect or a bird or whatever, so that those spores can go all over the world and continue their species. So these beings are sentient. They are intelligent. And uh, so when we ingest that intelligence, that intelligence goes into our body and increases. Uh, one of the benefits is that it increases our immune uh, function. And, and I like to call it just your immune intelligence, the surveillance of your body, mm-hmm. which then translates to almost every other, every other aspect of the body. If you, if you're uh, helping to support the immune system, you're really supporting the entire physiology, right? Because that's what deals with with everything. And so uh, that's one of the biggest, uh, the, the biggest benefits of mushrooms. And it's not, um, it's not an immune booster. A lot of people will call mushrooms. And if you want to boost to your immune system, well, technically that's not correct. Mushrooms and specifically AHCC have this ability to modulate the immune system, meaning that someone who maybe has HPV and needs, needs a boost in their immune intelligence can get that because again, they're adaptive in nature. They're intelligent. Someone maybe with who's expressing autoimmune issues like rheumatoid arthritis, um, they actually don't need a boost in their immune function. They need their immune system to actually calm down a bit. Right. Overreactive. Yeah, exactly. And so mushrooms, HCC are adaptive and intelligent. They go into your body and recognize like, oh, hey, where are the the deficiencies, where are the pitfalls, where are the cracks that we can fill in? And how can we get this thing hopefully back to balance? So how do the mushrooms know? (laughs) Right. I know. It's crazy. And it seems like, wow, this is like a a fictional story. (laughs) They they amplify the production of these things called NK cells, which are these like 
highly intelligent cells that are innate within the human body. And by taking something like mushrooms, you're signaling to the body to produce more. These are like the little business managers that go around mm -hmm. the, the entire system and like, hey, how's marketing doing? How's HR doing? <laughs> accounting doing is everybody working together and if not we need to you know patch the gap and it's really amazing what these these cells which are just innate within the human body that that mushrooms amplify or highlight mm -hmm. or turn back online um can actually do for your overall well-being sometimes it's less about um what you're actually putting in you know if, if you're looking at at putting in gas in your into your car but the actual function of the car is not sufficient to even make use of the gas that's what we're trying to address in this situation mm. is when our hormones are out of whack when the signaling that's taking place throughout the body is uh ha has been like hardwired to not operate which we do through our our lifestyle choices we can signal to the body whether or not we should producing be producing something or it goes into a state of survival where it's shutting off you know, non-critical systems, even though they are quite critical for well-being, they're going to shut down for your general survival. So these little uh, uh, impl implementations of, of something like adaptogens and something like mushrooms in your body can assist in just reactivating a proper signaling that takes place throughout the different aspects of your uh, endocrine system, digestion, um, expression of, of um, your, your genetics, and, and a whole host of benefits. So cool. I, so what about, you know, magic mushrooms? <laughs> uh, cause like, it's one thing to take the, the AHC I'm taking some now. Uh, love it. Uh, I don't have a, like, I wish I had taken a blood panel first and then gotten to see like what the risk I'll do that again at some point, once we do the, the blood panel now. Um, but magic mushrooms are the ones that everybody talks about in the trip and like going to have the spiritual experience and so on. Um, we had some like, maybe like a couple months ago or whatever, very, very small dosage, like micro dosage. And I was like, I feel good. You know, like there was nothing crazy that really happened or anything like that. At some point I did see a face come through the <laughs> wallpaper, um, which didn't freak me out, but there was, I will tell you this. There was this moment of like, I was laying on the couch and my daughter was asleep and I was like, wow, I feel so connected to the trees mm -hmm. outside. And I was like, this, I'd never tried mushrooms before anything like that. They're doing all this research on it. And I was like, you know what, for as many people we interview about mushrooms, I should at least try it. And I, I didn't go outside. I don't know why I didn't go outside, but I was sitting on my couch and I was, we had these uh, big windows or whatever. And I could see the trees and they were kind of like, it felt like they were waving at me. Yes. And which is, was like this weird, like, Hey, what's going on guy? You know, like this kind of movement. And I thought they're just blowing in the wind consciously. I'm thinking they're just blowing in the wind. And at some point I felt like, no, I can hear them. And yeah. I'm like, this must be what people talk about with there on a mushroom chip. But it wasn't like that. Like I wasn't high. Like I wasn't in this place where I couldn't control or do like all normal things. I just felt so connected. Yeah. And, and I immediately thought of, um, I'm forgetting the name of the documentary where they talk about the network of mushrooms and how yeah. they, like the, they know that you're there, they're sentient. You feel they, they, someone signals that a tree has gone down and then they all push in to help the network of more of them grow or whatever the thing is. And I thought, I bet that's what that is. Like yeah. maybe it, mushrooms came here as an alien species to help us figure out how to take care of the goddamn earth. Yeah, <laughs> yeah definitely. So we can feel connected to it. Like, yeah, you yeah. can search like mushroom for sleep, mushroom for hydration, mushroom for skin benefits, mushroom for digestion. That's and I'm convinced we've only just cracked the very surface yeah. of what the capacity. Ashwagandha is a mushroom, right? 
No, uh, no, no it's a, it's no. a uh, root. Yeah, but it's a root. But, okay, right. an amazing adaptogen. Yeah. Um, but as it pertains to like psychedelic mushrooms, uh, if it was like mushrooms for spiritual connection to the divine, you'd probably find <laughs> yeah. you know there, there's a mushroom for everything. Yeah. And so, so, um, specifically, is this just really beautiful um, mushroom experience that can be really intense and at higher doses or is getting quite popular to microdose. And um, a lot of times for like a microdosing protocol, it's the benefit of being able to uh, unwire the default mode network. These patterns through behavior and lifestyle choices, through childhood conditioning that keep us acting in this habitual, uh, almost default way. And, and, and these habits that we're talking about, like defaulting back to using the scale as the target for defining health. There is such, that's part of a groomed run inside your, your, your brain. It's the default mode network. And mm -hmm. through like psilocybin, it can actually uh, rewire, it can, can soften those groomed runs such that through prolonged microdosing or through journeys, like heavier assisted journeys, you have an opportunity to rewrite. Mm -hmm. um, it's not going to fix all of your problems if you don't integrate and yeah. you don't start building new habits, right. uh, but will give you a, a, a leg up on this opportunity to rewire habits and rewire mm -hmm. patterning. So people use it for creativity. People use it for traumatic uh, experiences and healing through those. We've used it very intentionally in, in salvaging our relationship yeah. and and defining what this part two to our relationship was going to look like relationship therapy for sure yeah <laughs> it, it has these um serotonin and dopamine uh hormone response byproducts after consumption so so when it comes to empathy you're able mm -hmm. to empathize with people your partner with plants yeah uh, with Could narcissists take it and then become better people <laughs> I, I i heard this once from our friend ryan meeks uh he and his wife lead journeys they they assist in and sit with people while they journey on mushrooms and he said something that is so true about psychedelics specifically mushrooms as we're talking about it mushrooms can either your experience will be that of feeling love seeing love experiencing love whatever that looks like for you, or it will, it will show you what's keeping you from experiencing more love. So sometimes it's, oh my God, I, I could just cry looking at Chase's eyes. He's so beautiful. I love his heart. I'm so connected to his soul. That's me experiencing love. But other journeys have been, man, why am I so hard on my thighs? Mm. Why, if my, why am I so critical of my stomach? Why am I, why do I talk to myself this way or that way? Why, why do I feel the need to be triggered by that person? Or why is this coming up again? It's showing me what's a, what's a hindrance to me experiencing more love. Mm. And every, every journey that, that we've had has fallen into those two buckets. And, uh, I, I just see, you know, mushrooms in general as a portal, mm. medicinal mushrooms can be a portal to experiencing deeper levels of health. Psychedelic mushrooms are a portal to possibly experiencing deeper, deeper levels of your inner world, your partner, nature. It really just connects you to life in general, not just trees and plants, but yourself. Yeah. You're immediately aware of what's living and what's not. Yeah. <laughs> Connected to 
that life, that spark of divinity that exists in everything. Yeah. And it's like, next time you, you try, I would definitely encourage you to get out in the nature, you know, yeah. Yeah. you go to Burning Man, you take a bunch of mushrooms and it's really fun. And it's like a carnival ride. And, and sometimes it can get a little trippy and other times it's just, you know, laughs and blissful. But I think that's because the set and setting is predominantly man-made. It's, uh, you know, art and it's beautiful and it's lights and it's cars and, and it's a great time, um, but also potentially a little sketchy. Yeah. If you go in the nature on mushrooms, you will feel like you are a pulse of the universe yeah. and the breath of life that comes from a tree or a plant will literally take you yeah. off your feet. It will take your breath away. And the knowing that you are a part of this, and it's this wild balance between I'm so insignificant as it pertains to all of this, yet I feel like I belong and I feel like I'm a part of it and I am satiated by that. Yeah. It's not a, I'm so insignificant, God, you know, like, fuck me. It's like <laughs> I'm a part of this mm -hmm. wild puzzle. Mm -hmm. And there is a, a life force energy within me that if I don't uh, take the opportunity to, to make the most of this potential, um, I'm going to be missing an experience of love that I have the capacity to uh, handle and embody. Wow. Yeah. I'm really, really excited about trying it again. Um, just because last time I was too scared of <laughs> like, I don't want to have like a real trip. Um, but I think that it's important for people to at least hear that to, you know, reduce the stigma, right? Like there's a lot of stigma around certain things. And, uh, obviously on this show, we're trying to be very open to lots of things, but I even really like, like if this, you are the first people I've heard really talk about mushrooms that weren't magic mushrooms in a very different way pertaining to health. And the idea to me of like the adaptogens, like being able to fill in the space, fill in the blocks, you know, that kind of thing. Um, f towards your health, like to help with your health, which is why you're so passionate about it. Right. I'm sure. Um, being able to see how that can, can change someone's life, I think would be, I mean, it's really, really cool to see, see how that works. You know, um, yeah. I'm always really fascinated by different like types of supplements and so on. And like, there are definitely thousands of them that I've tried that don't do a lot. <laughs> um, but then like, I, I would say at least for my, I haven't taken them for very long. We, uh, I think you sent them to me about a month ago. Um, but I, I freaking love the latte and I love like in the morning I sat, you know, I do the sun thing in the morning as well. And I sat in my living room and I'm like, this is how I started my day. I feel so Zen afterwards. It's not how you feel after you have coffee. It's not how you feel after you even have some teas. Um, it's, I don't know. I just really like it. So if, if nothing else, and you're looking to change your, uh, morning drink routine, try their mushy tea. Is it mushy tea? How do you say latte? Latte. latte. Yeah. Um, love can I have it with water? I've only done it with oat milk. Yeah, you can, yeah. you can water. It's intended to be mixed with like a little bit of milk. I like it a little fluffier. Yeah. Chase has had it, uh, I think mm -hmm. just frequently with about with eight just, ounces of hot, know, water, hot water. And that's great for me. You, you nailed the point, which is like, oh, I've tried a lot of uh, supplements and, you know, haven't noticed much. And the reality is, is like people flood the marketplace for any buzzword and they'll look for the, the strongest profit margins possible. So what does that mean? They I mean, you work for a supplement company, right? I, I, you know, I've been in the nutraceuticals industry for yeah. uh, six years and it's just a reality. The marketplace is a buzzword like mushrooms uh, starts to catch 
fire and a million of copycats flood the marketplace. They get the lowest quality products. Mm -hmm. They get away with cutting a bunch of corners. They start selling it for cheap or at doses that are what we like to call a fairy dusting, uh, which is just a, a non-effective dose. Mm -hmm. So the intention of Mushy Love, in addition to the fact that like this is the mascot of our story and our <laughs> podcast and our, our brand altogether, is that we've just been like kind of disappointed super bummed out about what's happened to the marketplace and uh it's also there's some crazy expensive products that have quality mushrooms but they taste bad right. and then there's the really tasty ones that are loaded with artificial flavorings a uh, bunch of sweeteners um so there's this just huge white space for effective dose quality mushrooms and it can taste good and i'm trying we're trying to make this thing as affordable as possible so that people aren't like taking out sec second mortgages just to choose health <laughs> And so it's, it's a gram of mushrooms, um, 500 milligrams of tremella mushroom, which is a very underrated, not talked about mushroom, super beneficial for beauty, hydration, skin health, digestion, um, and then chaga mushroom, 500 milligrams of chaga. Chaga is a, a king. It's a really popular mushroom. It's been around for a long time in the uh, supplement space. And so all in all, it's about a gram of mushrooms. To put that into comparison, most, most mushroom lattes, coffees, uh, they're going to be around 175 to 300 milligrams per serving. We are at one gram mm -hmm. 100 milligrams of each of these two powerhouse mushrooms. Wow. And then we specifically chose not to use uh, sweeteners outside of organic maple sugar, which has a ton of benefits mm -hmm. loaded of with antioxidants, tastes delicious. And, and uh, it's really so good. That's why I was like, I don't, can I drink this? Because yeah. I mean, I looked at the ingredients. There's barely any ingredients on there. And I was like, well, maybe it's my oat milk that's making it super sweet, but either way it tastes really good. And like, y'all, this is not an ad. Like you listening, this is not an ad. Like they're, they're friends of mine now, like they've been on the show and they sent it to me and I'm like, this is so good. And like, I mean, obviously the benefits are important too, but like, like you said, like I have plenty of supplements and the supplements taste just nasty. Yeah. They're oh, yeah. so nasty. So it's hard to keep them up. It's hard to, and like then at the end of the day, when you have lots of pills to take, when I was pregnant, I took 16 pills every evening, 16 pills. And it was like for only because I was pregnant that I kept that up just to make sure that she had all the new shoes. I mean, like literally they were like, you see her muscle tone. It's ridiculous. Was she kicking you? Did it hurt? Look at her bone density. It's insane. And I'm like, that's right. Like I yeah. researched every supplement. I took everything. And as soon as she was born, I just stopped. Mm. tired of down in all of these pills every day or like whatever supplements that I had. Um, this is actually an enjoyable one. It's a very, I would say a feminine oriented one. Like you sit down and drink your latte in the morning. Like, and it's like, Oh, and I'm doing it healthily. Like I, my, my liver's not having to process caffeine or, you know what I mean? Like there's, there's a lot of benefits to that. So no ad here. Like I'm just recommending it from experience. So that is music to our ears. Yeah. The entire perspective that we take with health is building a relationship, mm. removing ourselves from this transactional nature. I, I take a ton of capsules too, but that is a transactional. I'm taking the capsule. It's over in two seconds, moving on. Right. <laughs> we wanted to build a relationship with health through a product, through a ritual, through mm. a, when you drink mushy love, tell yourself you're worth it, that you deserve to <laughs> feel amazing, yeah. that you deserve to taste things that are amazing. I would tell the same uh, thing to somebody who's taking on exercise for the first time. It can feel good. You deserve to feel good. 
it can be fun bring bring a an intention to build a ritual and a relationship with the mm-hmm. gym or with your yoga mat um in the same way that we would and so we want to use these these little nudges of the fact that it tastes good and that it's effective as feedback for you mm-hmm. to build this relationship into your life i'm all, i only have one critique of the mushy love is that there's not a bulk package <laughs> I can get. Like I ran out of it too fast. <laughs> oh, we'll, we'll hook you up. We'll hook you up sure. <laughs> I was just going to say piggybacking on what Chase was just saying is, you know, we wanted to create a product that was reflective of our two biggest passions in life, which is highest quality mushrooms and highest quality love, which is <laughs> yes, <laughs> their logo she's pointing to. Yeah. yeah. So that's, that is mushy love. I love it. I love it. Well, can you tell everybody where they can buy it and they can find you? Yeah. So if you want to grab some mushy love, you can go to get mushy We have two different options. You can just buy it one time if you want, or you can actually subscribe and save a good chunk of money and get it on recurring every month. Um, and then, uh, if somebody's listening and you heard H HPV, AHCC and your ears perked up, that is on, uh, our, our main website, which is the medicine.com and medicine is spelled without an E on the end. So the medicine.com. And, uh, and then I, do a lot of education on Instagram. Um, and that's at Mimi underscore the medicine. And we, we'd love to be able to offer your audience a, a discount code too, 10% off. We can yeah. make the, yeah. uh, whatever you want for either product. You let us know what code, uh, maybe you can drop it in the show notes or whatever, but, but we'll oh wanna, yeah. Yeah. Perfect. And I was just going to give you a tip. Um, uh, if you're like, Oh, is it the oat milk that's making it too, you know, a little sweeter or whatever, try tomorrow when you have it, or whenever you get restocked, Um, I like to do half water, half milk. So you're getting creaminess, but it's not overly sweet or creamy, depending on what milk you you use, whether it's Mm -hmm. unclean sweetened that can really make a difference for people so be creative with it play around with it other ways that we love to use it is combining with vanilla protein tastes like a snickerdoodle so like your favorite (laughs) vanilla protein shake you can dump a scoop of mushy love in there and it gives this really beautiful uh cinnamony swirl taste it ends up tasting like a snickerdoodle i actually my favorite way to have it is blended into cold milk so i we drink just raw cow milk. And so I blend a scoop and a half into about eight ounces of that. And it's, it yeah. tastes like liquid graham crackers to me. <laughs> a steamed milk. Um, or if you do drink coffee and you love that experience, you can also use it as a creamer, which I do as well. I have it like three mm-hmm. times a day, y'all. It, it, <laughs> it loves Isn't it. Isn't it amazing that you love your own product that much? Like, I think that that's, that's, you stand by it. That's good. <laughs> I'm so happy we made something that I'm obsessed with because- <laughs> unending supply. So I'm very, (laughs) well, that's awesome. Thank you guys for being on the show so much. Like we appreciate you and the message that you bring to the table and just the love that you bring and, and the energy that comes through, go buy their shit. If you like this episode, please send it to someone you love and we will see you in the next one. hope you enjoyed this episode. Please share it with someone you love. And if you're interested in becoming a client for energy coaching or card readings, find me at thelovelyalia.com to read more about what I do and to book your own session. And don't forget to add me on the lovely Leah on Instagram for daily content and inspiration and hang out with me on Patreon. As always, thank you for listening.